Welcome to South London Hardcore, episode 131, Broccoli. I'm Jack McEnroy, this is Steve Walsh. Hello. You can find all our episodes on southlondonhardcore.com and iTunes. We're walking today from Broccoli Rise up to the top of Broccoli. We'll finish at Broccoli and Lady World Cemeteries. Which is a natural finishing point for a number of reasons. We'll settle down for a coffee and cake at Broccoli Jack Theatre. About halfway along the track that we're following, I think, from the bottom of Broccoli Rise by Stansted Road up to Broccoli itself. And I think the pub itself is, for me, the sort of spiritual centre of the area as well. It seems to have been the main landmark for centuries. The pub opens in 1810 and... Did it open as a theatre? No, no, it's just a tavern, essentially. And Broccoli is an interesting place in the sense of so many places like this would have developed as suburbs with the railways arriving and canals arriving and giving people access to them. Whereas you get places like the Borough and Watling Road and Watling Street we talked about where they were like trade routes. Whereas Broccoli would never have been a natural sort of line for people to take from Dover up to London, but there would have been some travellers. So rather than getting a ton of pubs, you just really get one. And the area becomes known more than anything for highwaymen. It's not a particularly populous place, so it's an easy place for ambushes to happen. What's the Jack part all about? Well, that's the thing. The, the pub is named for a legendary local highwayman, Broccoli Jack. Right. Which is and quite Jack interesting. Jack has in like, Jack me and get what? That, <laughs> that idea. Um, I know a specific highwayman called Broccoli Jack. But also, you know, unlikely to have actually existed. I mean, you know, this is one of the pubs that Dick Turpin was supposed to stop at, along with every other pub yeah, in England. Say, yeah. Yeah, he comes he just on the like, show a lot. He's, he had no time to actually do any robbing. He was too busy stopping off and watering his horses. Yeah, he's not taking the uh, quickest route, is he? <laughs> so the Broccoli Jack opens in 1810. It is very much out on its own. The area itself, as you can tell, from the places around it, you know, Forest Hill just up the road, Honor Oak just up the road. It's it's a wooded area that's essentially a wilderness. The name Broccoli comes from a, a few possible sources. Could be a reference to the badgers, a brook, an opening in the woods, but all of them are to do with nature. It's a place that seems to resist development until this pub opens and then suddenly it becomes a place to, to stop and hang around, mainly to uh, rob people from the sand. It's quite interesting as well for a business to open and play upon the fact that it's a, uh, a hive of criminality. I can't really imagine that. As, I mean, you go to the bank for a loan and go, uh, what are you going to do? Oh, well, I want to open a pub. All right, uh, what's it called, Broccoli Jack? Why is that? Because like, loads of people get robbed nearby by a spoke called Broccoli Jack. And you think people are going to go, we, we're really hopeful, we're really hopeful that we'll draw a crowd. I'll probably go to the next pub to get a pint of the safe haven just up the road. <laughs> <laughs> but I think inadvertently, when the people opened the pub, they kind of gave birth to what this area is going to become. They, in a way, bought into the mythology around them. And it feels to me like that's brought in more mythology and encouraged more people to come in and tell stories about the place. 
Okay. We're going to yeah. find out those stories on the course of our route, Steve. Well, I just think when you look at the people that have lived here or were born here and the places around, it seems like there's an element of direct and indirect theatricality that runs through the whole place. I mean, the Broccoli Jack itself now is a theatre as well. In 1992, they build a theatre in space. But it seems like that's a response to the people that have lived here as much as uh, a sort of underlying need. Right. I was on the Broccoli Central blog. There seemed to be some concern that Broccoli lacked notable landmarks. I mean, it seems to me they have a point. But maybe on this kind of slow walk through Broccoli... We'll have a look out and see if there is anything. I mean, this pub is not notable enough, is it? I think it is, but as I say, I I think think it's based around a a particular theory I've got. Yeah, but But also in terms of what it looks like. I think it's quite a handsome building. It's all right, isn't it? But it's not like, you know, give me an area in South London, Steve. Peckham. You know, the the library is like... Yeah, it's an iconic piece of architecture. Yeah. The Rye. Yeah, I mean, you know, William Blake... Or, you know, give me one more, Steve. Deptford. That massive anchor. <laughs> no, but, you know, the docks. See, I, I, I don't know if I agree. I think this pub, in of itself, wouldn't be enough to attract uh, people You can't down. put on a postcard, can you? But, you know, just reading about the area, I was intrigued by the stone house that hopefully will stumble across. And the Riverley Ballroom has a, a storied uh, past as well. As you said, Steve, broccoli means a wood where badgers are seen... I don't know, I'm thinking like some kind of 20-foot Perspex badger or something. Uh, it's just Aping Catford, isn't it? Yeah, Ape Catford. Ape Catford with Ape, a badger. It's, like a, it's, a, it's a zoo. <laughs> it's like a jungle out there. <laughs> we were on our way out of the pub. Uh, we've now obviously moved right underneath the speaker. <laughs> I'd love this song. And Steve, do you want to tell, uh, tell the listeners why? One of our favourite other podcasts is 99% Invisible. And the unofficial slogan of that show is... Always read the plaque. There's a plaque here. Let's, uh, let's have a read. The pub is said to be the former horn of highwaymen. The name is believed to refer to Jack Law, a highwayman known to frequent the area. The pub was built circa 1898, and the interesting sign at the entrance was made out of the shoulder of a whale. And hello, what have we got here? The is shoulder real, of the whale. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, they've secured it to the wall with a bolt through the middle, and you'd have to think there's a better way to do that. Yeah, that is controversial. Isn't yeah. But excitingly, on this uh, little fireplace, uh, you've got a Dulwich Hammock fixture list and a uh, picture of Gavin Rose up, which is exciting. Yeah. And I'm going to put some South on the Hardcore Flyers over the moment, <laughs> next to uh, Bopping Bunny's professional music specialist with the under fives. But yeah, I think the shoulder blade's a good example of what I was talking about. It's a pub with such a sense of the theatrical that even before there's a theatre here, they're going, let's put the sign on a whale's shoulder blade. Well, let's see, there's another plaque. Oh, so the pub was called the Broccoli Castle and had the logo painted onto the shoulder blade. Right. Ah, plaster replica. Wow, uh, Some date the bone fell. We're now at the Riverley Ballroom. It's closed today. There is there's a number of signs on the window. We wouldn't, we wouldn't get in anywhere. I mean, it's members only. Is it? You love your chewing gum. Yeah, strictly no chewing gum allowed in ballroom. Definitely no admission after 10.30pm. It's a listed building, and 
you'd hope that the rules, and obviously don't, but at some point they should get extended in the future so that you can't put up notifications about the withdrawal of £50 notes from circulation in the window of a listed building. Just looks terrible, doesn't it? I mean, look inside, Steve. The ima- there's another chewing gum sign. <laughs> it's obviously a massive problem, isn't it? Please remember, this is a Grade Two listed ballroom. I mean, it's like something from a sketch, isn't it? When you the can't dance closed. in here. This is a Grade Two <laughs> listed ballroom. The actual structure of the place looks phenomenal. You can sort of see even these handles on the door outside, but also just the features that you can see through the window. Well, this is the thing. It's inside, isn't it? Yeah. This is what it's notable for. Absolutely. Uh, this is why people play there, and this is why it, you know you get a photo shoot on the cover of a magazine done at the Riverley Ballroom. It's not for the outside. And this is what I'm saying, Steve, about the lack of landmarks. It's the absolute state of the outside. <laughs> it opens as the Crofton Park Picture Palace in 1913. Is rebranded as the Riverla Cinema in 1929. And then the incarnation we know it as now is established in 1959 when it becomes the Riverley Ballroom. Some huge music videos. Yeah, iconic. Yeah, Tina Turner, private dancer. Yep. Dancing for money. Elton John, I guess that's why they called it the Blues. We mentioned one of those in our music videos shot in South London playlist, but I can't remember which one. Definitely Tina Turner. Not Lana Del Rey, Burning Desire, which we came after. Directed by Ridley Scott. Right. Uh, yeah, the White Stripes have played here in 2007. Kings of Leon have played here. Justin Lee Collins filmed Good Times here. <laughs> Just the latest in the number of iconic uh, entertainers. And I know sometimes people like to get a sneak peek of what's coming up on the show, Steve. Uh, in August 2015, when Avengers comes out, the new Avengers film, which was partly shot at the Ripley Ballroom. We'll do an episode on uh, Marvel films filmed in South London, of which there is at least three. Um. We're at Broccoli and Ladywell Cemeteries. It's a beautiful little spot, isn't it? It's lovely, yeah. Quite a number of significant bodies. Is that what, how do you phrase it for Lally? Uh. Corpses. <laughs> Not like that. Start perhaps, Steve, with Joseph Blackburn from Manchester I think my favourite of all the people that of all the bones <laughs> of all the people that are buried here Joseph Blackburn is my favourite he is a chess player yeah I read that he dominated chess in the late 19th century but it sort of gets back to my point about the theatricality of people associated with Broccoli he's not just a chess player he specialises in blindfold chess right he just can't help but show off about how he's going to play chess He's got to have the best chess nickname ever, isn't he, as well? The Black Death. <laughs> also had uh, a habit of having a couple of bottles of whiskey by the side of the board as he played. Just getting drunk and occasionally attacking people. Yeah, he was a violent drunk, wasn't he? Did you read about the Blackburn shilling gambit? No. Apparently, it's a chess opening that he devised that if you're playing against an inexperienced player, pretty much guarantees you're making like, three moves. But records don't show him ever using it on any official game so it's been attributed to him but and it got its name because um, apparently he'd routinely play anyone for a shilling and then just beat him in three moves and sort of go can I have my shilling please he played top board what does that mean is that like number one batsman but for chess yeah I suppose I don't know yeah, he played top board my competitive the... chess days are long gone let's be fair he, yeah he played top board for the British team 
in the Anglo-American cable matches of 1896. Do you know about those? No. That would have been tremendously exciting, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't. I'm not into chess in any way. So they're cabling the moves to each other. Yeah. Right. But when you say tremendously exciting, well, like it's like predates sort of Xbox Live, doesn't it? Yeah. This is true. Imagine playing a board game against someone in another country, Steve. That doesn't thrill you. It does, but you, you're century. losing out on the possibility of Joseph Blackburn being violently drunk and sort of like threatening people down the headset. You know, it's a highlight of any Xbox. Uh, probably the only games they'd, uh, they'd let him play, I suppose. <laughs> I'll play you, but only by telegraph. Ernest Dowson from Lee talks about my Catford episode. Yeah, in, innovated the phrases, days of bread and roses. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, Days of Wine and Roses. Days of Wine and Roses. Well. <laughs> More famously. Um, Gone with the Wind. It's one of his. And the word soccer. George Grove. First director of the Royal College of Music. Author of Dictionary of Music and Musicians. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, If you've run the music section or worked in a major bookshop, the chances are you've shelved or sold a copy of Grove's Dictionary of Music at some point. And I had no idea that guy has other connections. It's connected now, isn't he, in a big way? <laughs> it's a permanent connection. George Lacey Hillier, 1856 to 1941, an English racing cyclist and pioneer of British cycling, Steve. He initiated the construction of the Hernhill Velodrome. Oh, right. Big names in their fields, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, David Jones, war poet and artist, Steve. In parentheses, that was his major work. Tried to find it online, couldn't find it. Okay. I'm not really into war poetry anyway, so I thought I'd be fine. I mean, this is, I'm just reading a list now, but Fernando Tadida de la Marmo, Cuban anarchist writer, who coined the phrase, you know, since we're talking about phrase coining, anarchism without adjectives. Nice. Because you've got tattoo, don't you, in your thigh. <laughs> just a reminder, every time I cross my legs. Educational reformer Margaret Macmillan. You come across these lists of notable people from the 19th century. And it, it, you, you sometimes think they might be stretching the word notability. But uh, what kind of excited me about this guy was how antiquated his job is. E.H. Windred. He was a painter of racing pigeons. I did have a look at his work. and <laughs> Are they good? I mean, they're the best paintings of racing pigeons I've ever seen. But I've got very little to set it against. That's the problem. We've walked up. Hilly Fields, a self-explanatory green space, past Prendergast Hilly Fields College, which is on the top of the hill. It used to be called Brockley County Grammar School before that, West Kent Grammar School. And it's got some 1930s murals on the side, but we couldn't really see. Can't really climb over a school fence, can you? <laughs> you know, I've got DBS to think about. They're considered some of the best examples in the country of neo-romantic style, Steve. Then we should definitely jump a fence. I don't care about anything else. Well, earlier, when I said that Broccoli didn't have any landmarks, yeah, I was just reflecting what Broccoli Central was saying. <laughs> how the local people feel. But we're now at the Stone Circle. It's been here since 2000. And uh, you having second thoughts, Steve, about that comment? Yeah, nice, no, tremendous, isn't it? It's got a nice sort of seasonal calendar in the centre of the stone circle little yeah. gates at the start yeah there's a kind of concrete kind of yeah. two stumps sticking at the ground that function as a gate uh, what is it 12 
Do you need 12 for a stone circle? 12 rocks? Yeah, I don't know what the rules are. There's yeah, 12, and though, a bit it? of paving in the middle with uh, some kind of... You know the word, Steve. Some kind of calendar. Yeah, it's got the, the basically to mark the solstice. Or solstices. And how do you think it's functioning? Is it getting the reverence that Stonehenge gets? <laughs> like, all over the calendar there's a load of conquer shells, whatever they're called. Yeah, it's cracked as well. It's a bit of damage. But it looks like it's it's in use. I mean, there's an offering on top of one of the stone circles. That's all I can think it is. It's basically a Tupperware container with a purple lid filled with what you believe are... They're baby snacks. Right. You know, that Farley's right. Ross type, type deal. I mean, if you need any Tupperware, get onto Andrew Humphreys. But oh, if you right. only need a very small tub... That's already got some There's food one in. here. There's Come one up here. to Hillyfields. <laughs> no, Gary, this isn't a promise of stuff on hardcore. We're not guaranteeing snacks, but right now, first come, first served. It's a nice park, isn't it, with nice views? Well, the whole... And unlike Blythe Hill Park, which we talked about in the Capital episode, that was just all gradient, wasn't it? Every area yeah, you went, yeah. you felt you were going to sort of roll down the hill. Here, there's some flat parts, man. Can't kind of chill out in the stone circle. And the whole area has a feel of the wild that gave Broccoli its name. There's a lot of mature trees. There's a lot of open space as well. But this and the cemetery does feel very, very pastoral. Yeah, I mean, up here, you've got a uh, missile thrush, Steve. Do you know what that is? I don't. Nor do I. Speckled <laughs> woods. You know, nature. It's got nature. <laughs> it's just butterflies. Packed with nature. But we took a picture of some mushrooms and we found some hoof marks. I'd like to think they're sort of like, you know, some wild horses just prowling around, but they're not, are they? Uh, Octavia Hill, who is a South London hero, really. I, don't, I can't remember if she's from South London, but certainly, I mean, I grew up on the Octavia Hill estate. Made her mark on South London, without doubt. Yeah, I mean, if that, if nothing else. But yeah, you know, philanthropist and uh, social reformer. She was instrumental in getting this this place open really believed in poor people having a green spaces and it's in, uh, in no small part thanks to her that we we've got a place like this obviously things have changed massively now but so maybe Octavia Hillyfields should be <laughs> colloquially known as you've never recovered from uh, Dog Hunter Hilly would have you <laughs> between 1907 and 1914 apparently the suffragette movement used to meet here a lot Right. I think probably because Emily Davison lived around the corner, innit? Save her getting a bus, I suppose. <laughs> Wickham Road is where we're standing now. Lily Langtry lived here, Steve, when she was uh, getting it on with Edward the Seventh. Yeah. <laughs> is that right? Did she live in that estate there? <laughs> yeah, flat seven. Yeah, Wickham Road also played host to Kate Bush and John Kell. Not at the same time. Over the years. But it gets back to the point I was making at the start about how the area has become a bit of a haven for entertainers. With Lily Langtry and, you know, in Wickham Terrace, just around the corner, you had Mary Lloyd as well. It feels like Broccoli would have been a place, and a lot of similar areas around here, where it would have been suburban areas that musical stars would have lived, which were well-appointed to get to work but also uh, away from it, so you could, you know, rest up. When we did the um, Nunhead Cemetery episode, we realised there were lots of former music hall stars there as well. And again, just around the corner in Wickham Gardens, you've got Bernard Hill. 
all the Wickhams come from Wickham, o uh, Wickham Noakes, who was a member of the Noakes family who owned the Broccoli Jack pub. And it was Wickham Noakes himself who laid the foundation stone when the pub was rebuilt. And the performative strain seems to extend beyond the obvious in terms of entertainment figures. Harry Price was born in Birmingham but raised around New Cross and lived in Broccoli for a long time. Went to Haberdash Rash School. He went to Waller Road Primary School, which uh, don't exist anymore. Curious <laughs> where that was. Well, I mean, Waller Road, obviously, more balanced. Yeah, he was a man fascinated by things that were beyond the physical. So one of his early experiments was in like radio and space telegraphy which was passing information wirelessly. He did an experiment where he set up uh, transmitting and receiving stations on Telegraph Hill and at St Peter's Church in Broccoli. I think he managed to send the spark of a, a signal onto a, a plate across the spaces. There's no uh, substantiated evidence. But his interest in science doesn't last too long. He becomes obsessed with psychic phenomena and specifically debunking fake psychics and spiritualists which were obviously a huge craze at the time became friends with Harry Houdini who similarly went round uh, investigating fake mediums and spiritualists Harry Houdini investigates <laughs> yeah, you can get quite a good sort of detective show of Harry Houdini and Harry Price uh, going round just uh, solving psychic related crimes the difference between Harry Price and Harry Houdini among other things uh, was that Harry Houdini didn't believe in the spirit world at all whereas Harry Price did and his thing was he was happy to debunk and discredit the fake mediums in the hope that one day he would find a genuine one my favourite investigation of his was in the Isle of Man where he looked at the case of Geff the Talking Mongoose which was believed to be a poltergeist or spirit creature that took the form of a mongoose that would talk to the inhabitants of a deserted farmhouse. Price investigated and, with his friends, believed it was the creation of the farmer's daughter and the family sort of went along with it for the sake of publicity and getting people to visit them on the island. They produce evidence from time to time, footprints, um, fur, but every test determined they'd actually come from their sheepdog rather than a mongoose. <laughs> Another famous resident for a short time was Charles Parnell, who was an Irish politician, mostly known for his work in terms of Home Rule and the Land League in Ireland, had a very fruitful relationship with William Gladstone, the British Prime Minister. But he's probably most famous now for his role in the divorce of William O'Shea and his wife Kitty O'Shea, and then consequently making house with Kitty O'Shea in Broccoli. Yeah, right. which was, what kind of year are we talking? Uh, we're talking 19th century, so massively controversial and real, really cast a shadow across his political career. And as I say, it does feel like, you know, it's another example of an unusual, an unusually theatrical element to someone's life or career. On the walk-in episodes, we do like to record at least one segment in a phone box, but... Unfortunately, this red phone box is actually a cash machine. It's got a phone, but the phone's built into the side of the box, thus negating the need for a box. Yeah, there's no getting inside it, is there? I mean, a lesser podcast would make a Superman gag. 
about an hour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we're outside the Broccoli Barge. If you enjoy the show, please leave a comment and a rating on iTunes, where you can also subscribe. More importantly, use the Amazon link for all your Amazon shopping, and sign up for an Amazon Prime trial. Cancel immediately if you want. T-shirts available from southlandhardcore.spreadshirt.co.uk. Link on the website. southlandhardcore.com. Do you like broccoli? Yes, I do. Yes, I do.